0: Today we begin a new sermon series on belonging. Belonging is basic, basic human need. We all need to be connected outside of ourselves to other humans, connected to God, our creator and our savior. And here's the thing, God desires intimacy with us too. God wants to be close to us. God wants us to be close to one another. So for the next six weeks, we're gonna walk through Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. And uh, the letter, it's named Philippians in our Bible. It only has four chapters, which means that we're gonna cover a good bit of it together. But still, I encourage you to read it on your own, the whole letter. And I want you to ask questions and I want you to underline when God is speaking to you. It's gonna be a fruitful six weeks if you'll let it. Listen now for God's word, Philippians 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God for every remembrance of you, always. In every one of my prayers for all of you, I'm praying with joy for your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I'm confident of this that the one who began a good work in you will continue to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And it's right for me to think this way about all of you because I hold you in my heart. For all of you are my partners in God's grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I long, how I long, For all of you, with the tender affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer that your love may overflow more and more with the knowledge and full insight to help you determine what really matters. So that in the day of Christ, you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that only comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The title of today's sermon is Longing to be Close. When have you felt alone? I want you to draw up a memory. When have you felt alone? Maybe it's when you've moved to a new city, new place. Maybe you start a new school and you haven't really made friends yet. So nobody knows your name or your story and maybe nobody is asking. Maybe you stepped out of your comfort zone to try something new and then once you got there, you were really wishing you were back on your couch at home. Has that ever happened to anyone before? Like you're looking around sizing people up and you're scared that they're doing the same with you. Maybe you have felt lonely in your own home. Has that ever happened to you? Maybe you wished for someone who was, who was there with you, who would notice when you didn't come home or when you forget to eat. Someone to share the burden, the stress of everyday life. Loneliness comes in all forms and walks of life. If you feel really alone and you look around and you see somebody just you know, covered with friends or there's children all around them, you might make an assumption that they might not feel lonely, but ask them, you might be surprised. The truth is we all can feel lonely from time to time. In fact, some of us spend a good deal of our time feeling alone, which means that all of us relate to our brother Paul. You see, Paul, he writes this, this letter not from some plush leather chair and a library full of musty books, no. He's scribbling these words from a dirty floor of a prison cell. And the only luxuries he has are the gifts he receives from this church in Philippi, a pen and some paper, which he uses to write to them. And these friends in Philippi, they know Paul. They know Paul, they know what he needs, they miss him. In fact, they've sent one of their own, Epaphroditus, to go visit Paul, to bring these gifts to Paul. But on the way, Epaphroditus gets sick, like so sick, he almost dies. So Paul, seeing to Epaphroditus' recovery, he sends him back to the people of Philippi. He doesn't wanna risk him getting sick again, which means that just as soon as Paul receives company, just as there is hope that he won't feel alone He says goodbye, alone again. Paul sends this letter with Epaphroditus to the people he longs for in Philippi, and he's writing to let his friends know that he's okay. They're worried about him. Paul is in prison for his propensity to proclaim that Jesus is Lord, Jesus is King, and the Roman authorities do not like that very much. They have told Paul as much. Paul writes to encourage them In fact, before he gets to thanking them for the gifts that they've sent him, he wants to make sure that they're very clear on what is important. And even before his freedom, what's important to him is that they spread the gospel, the good word that not only are they beloved to him, Paul, but by God through Christ Jesus. That's what matters most. You know, Paul, he speaks to this church in Philippi differently than he speaks to other church communities. If you flip through some of the letters in the New Testament, you'll notice some differences. For one, Paul writes with far more tenderness and obvious affection for the church in Philippi. They might be his favorites. He says he longs for them with the tender affection of Jesus Christ. And in other letters, Paul takes time at the outset to give his credentials. He's gotta kinda of prove his authority. He's obviously speaking to people he doesn't know as well, but not in Philippians. Here it's like he has picked up the pen to write like you and I might write to our grandmother or a childhood friend. You can hear the warmth in his voice. And then you can imagine with me the people he's writing to. The city of Philippi, it's an important city. It's straddled the great east-west highway known as Ignatian Way, and the population is cosmopolitan. It's the center of the city with a large forum and temples and a library and fountains. It's kind of like Bull Street District. You know, it's a city center that's booming with new development, live, work, play. That's Philippi. The people of Philippi, they have been granted the same privileges as Roman citizens, which is rare. And it means that both women and men there enjoy high status in public and business and church life. In fact, Paul's first convert to the Christian faith on European soil was this woman named Lydia who belonged to the church in Philippi. Paul founded this church in the year 50 AD and he has very many close friends among them. It's, it's more than just coming together to organize worship. These local entrepreneurs in Philippi have spent hours over coffee with Paul discovering the truth of the gospel for them. And then these local entrepreneurs, they start leveraging their ideas and their resources to make this vision of Christian life, Christian community come to life and impact the city around them. You know it's possible, I can't say this for sure, but it's possible that this church in Philippi was about the same age as we are at downtown church when they received this letter from Paul. Just over a decade or so old, old enough to have amassed some people, to have baptized those in the name of Jesus Christ, sturdy enough, but still stumbling in those early years. As Paul mentions, they're really trying to figure out, to discern what truly matters. And what can we let go? Paul's voice is proclaiming these words in this letter from a prison cell. What truly matters, hear me, is you belong to God. In the early church, there were all sorts of cultural wars. We don't know anything about that. (laughs) Identity wars about what does it mean to follow Christ? What does it mean to be a Christian? So they're asking questions, you know, you can be one of two options. Again, we don't know anything about that. Should you be a Jew or Gentile? Turns out you can be either or neither. Should you be circumcised or not? Turns out, Doesn't really matter. Should you eat red meat or not? All of these questions that point to what makes a true Christian? How do we belong? How do we become a Christian? And Paul wants to make sure that they remember, we remember what truly matters is that we belong to God. It's not really what we do. It's what God has done through Christ for us. It's the basis of those baptismal promises, the water which marks our belonging. And you and I, we feel that belonging through this tender affection of Christ. Sociologist Brené Brown, she talks about this difference between fitting in and belonging. She says a lot of us, we conflate the two, but they're actually quite different things. Fitting in is when you uh, survey the room and you look around to see what are people wearing, how do people do their hair, What kind of car are they driving? They're visual cues as we're asking the question, do I belong, can I belong? She says that misses the mark. Fitting in is about adapting yourself to those around you. Belonging has nothing to do with that. Belonging means you show up in your own skin with your own story and you are welcome here. Brené Brown, she's aware that you and I, we live in an epidemic of loneliness. And she says, so often we approach this issue of loneliness by trying to fit in. And if you have uh, started a new school year or a new job or a new church, you are probably doing that right now, looking for the boundaries, reading the manual, looking for the rules and customs, trying to match yourself to others. Belonging is actually much harder because it's the work of the community more than an individual. It's our work as community to open space to receive people just as they are. It's the work of the church because it's the work of Christ. You'll notice when you read stories about Jesus that he's always moving the crowds to the margin. And he's always looking at individuals and taking in their whole story before he baptizes them, before he brings them in with the same water of belonging. We have a gift for you today. It's underneath your seat. It's a itty bitty porcupine. So I wanna make sure that everybody has one. If you don't, look for a kid close by because I guarantee (laughs) they have some. There's some more on the tables down here. Y'all don't want a porcupine. The reason you have this itty bitty porcupine is because in this sermon series, we are going to follow the footsteps of a porcupine. You see, there's this German philosopher, Arthur Schopenhauer, who observed porcupines in the dead of winter. And this is what he saw, a dance basically. In order to survive, In order to get warm, these porcupines would move toward each other in order to warm up. But porcupines have quills. And it's not like a bull where you have two horns on the front and you might be able to get close to someone without hurting them, no. Porcupines have quills all over. So as they got close to each other, they started poking one another. Like drawing blood, poking one another. And they would huddle close for as long as they possibly could to get warm. And then eventually, so they didn't bleed out, they had to scoot away back to isolation so that they could heal from the wounds that they inflicted upon each other. But then he observed they couldn't stay isolated away from each other for too long. That cold winter air would push them closer and get pricked again, this cycle over and over again. Schopenhauer said, you know, it's not just a porcupine dilemma, it's a human dilemma. Dilemma. You and I do the same thing. We cannot exist in isolation. You and I cannot survive, certainly not thrive alone. We have to get close to one another. But then the same thing happens. We get close to one another, you start living with someone underneath the same roof, what happens? You prick one another. We prick each other, sometimes even draw in blood and then we have to retreat away to heal. It's a cycle that happens again and again in our lives. Paul knows that we can't survive in isolation. It's why he, in isolations, reached out in the form of this letter to people he longs for. You and I, we, we are not naive. We know that there's a cost to being close. It comes in these form of quills. We all have them, all over. When we get close to each other, we do hurt each other. It's called sin. And we too make decisions how, how long we stay close, how long until we must retreat to heal again. So you and I, as we read this letter of Philippians, as we walk through the dance of the porcupine, here's the theological truth we all gotta hold on to. We belong to God in every phase of that dance. We might feel alone, but we aren't because God is with us. God is with us when you feel lonely and isolated. God is with us when we take those vulnerable steps to get close to someone else. God is with us when our quills start poking and we get poked right back. God is with us when it feels like we can't trust anyone. God is with us when we retreat away, God is with us because we belong to God. You know, when Paul writes this letter to the church in Philippi, his friends, his buddies, he's aware that these might be the final words that they hear from him. Because he's suffering in prison. He is under close watch of the Roman Empire. He knows that one day he will be killed. So when I try to put myself in in Paul's shoes, I imagine if I'm writing to people I love, I might be a little more honest with things like saying, I'm mad at God for being alone. Or I'm mad at God for letting Epaphroditus get sick. It would have been nice to have a friend. I want more for myself. But Paul doesn't do that. He writes to his friends to let them know what truly matters, that in Christ, they belong. So I want you to hold your little porcupine in your hand. I want you to take it home, put it somewhere you're gonna see it. Today, we are the lone porcupines. And you might feel that very alone, but you are not. You are never alone, God is with you. Thanks be to God, amen. If you feel compelled to support the church financially, you can give a secure gift online at downtownchurch.me forward slash give.